This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips, he will score the tying run. In the third goes a Rosa Arena. It's an 8-8 eight eight game, and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our first show of 2022 and our unique and in-depth look at all things Rays. Today, we will sit down with the longest-tenured Ray in Kevin Kiermeyer. Dave and Andy will look back at the first two games and look ahead to what hopefully is a special 2022 campaign. Jeff McLaren will stop on by to discuss the Rays' minor league system. We'll also be joined by President of Baseball Operations Eric Neander and Principal Owner Stuart Sternberg. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our feature guest is the longest-tenured Ray, and that is one Kevin Kiermeyer. And, KK, I guess first things first, I'm sure you're glad that you're here and that you're starting another season with this club. I sure am. I love um, – this is all I know, the Rays, and I want to wear this jersey as long as I can. So another spring training here in Port Charlotte makes me very happy. And, boy, all I can think of, it's been a heck of a ride and uh, – Things definitely have have changed over the years, but man, I'm so grateful and thankful for every opportunity thrown my way. And once again, I take so much pride wearing this jersey on my chest, and I hope to do as long as I can. From a human standpoint, I could understand if you were concerned, worried, thinking a lot this offseason. What was it like, especially with a lockout, when you couldn't talk to anybody about it? Definitely... uh, different uncharted waters for me and a lot of other guys i mean this is the first time um you know this lockout has happened in in quite quite some time so it was different for all of us but you know eric neander he was up front with me before the lockout happened and that that gave me peace where he was just very up front the whole time saying hey we value so much we're not just going to trade you just get rid of your salary off the books but if there is a phone call that uh, gets our attention, and if something needs to be done, you know, I when when that time comes, a decision has to be made. And I said, Eric, you know what? I can be if if a move needs to be made, I will be at peace because I know I've gave it everything and then some. You guys have given me the world. I've created opportunities for myself, but I have given this organization everything. I worked my butt off. All, every offseason, in season, you know, my style of play shows it. I take pride in, in how hard I play. I always tell people I'm not the best player on the planet, but it's going to be hard to outplay me and outcare me each and every day because all I want to do is win and, and help the guys around me, and I feed off my teammates as well. But, um, you know, I'm a Ray, I'm happy, and I'm ready to roll. How much do you appreciate that honesty? Because not every – president or GM of every team is going to tell you what's going on when it's going on. They've done it with a lot of players here. Yeah, yeah. You hear some horror stories around the league where, wow, uh, there's some things that happen that, um, you know, make you just scratch your head. And like I said, I'm I'm talking other places that you hear from other players in different organizations. But once again, this is all I know. Eric's been running the show for a while now, and he has been great since day one. And he's, he's deserved everything all the accolades that he's received. I mean, he is so good. He's a genius, but he's also a people person. He knows communication is key. And from a player standpoint, all you can ask for is an upfront, honest answer. And at that point, you just have to live with whatever happens. I, I can I can take that any day of the week. It's the, like I said, the things that you hear from other guys where, you know, communication and uh, isn't the best and guys hear or find out about trades out of nowhere on Twitter or something like Eric is so good with that, and he has so much feel, wherewithal, whatever you want to call it, 
when it comes to certain things like that. And um, it, it's so appreciated. You know, Charlie Morton, I think, told me when he was here that he said, I could call Eric about anything. It wasn't just baseball. And I think there is the human aspect of this we forget sometimes. And I think you touched on it, a people person. Yeah. You know, you sit here and these guys are very uh, important to the organizations. And I think at times when I was younger, a little intimidated by the the front office people where it's like, hey, you got to you got to make these people, you got to impress these people and make them like you type of thing when you're trying to, you know, figure out where your life's going in, in the big leagues and all that. And after being around for a while, just seeing how they interact with all the several dozens and dozens of players who've come in and out these doors for the last X amount of years. Um, I mean, not just Eric, everyone, Matt Silverman, all these guys, they, you know, they'll give you an honest answer. And, and I think they know how much it is appreciated. And, you know, there's some things that need to be hap- happen that doesn't make every player as happy as can be. But, you know, in the baseball world, there is just, it's a ever, there's just move, there's transactions each and every year, off season, in season. There's so many different moving parts that happen throughout the course of the year. That's the nature of the game. It's the way it's always been, the way it's all, the way it always will be. But as long as guys like, um, you know, Eric keeps doing things the way they do, this organization is in great hands, and these players are lucky to have someone run the ship with a guy like him because uh, he is really good at what he does. And, uh, man, I knew he was an intelligent guy before, but with – some of the things that he does, bringing in the people he does, I mean, he's a genius. And, uh, you know, that, that the winning way here ever since 2018 when we started, you know, winning 90 games a season and it's been better every year. Um, I just, I think that trend is going to keep continuing because we have such a good environment and so, so much talent. And that all starts from the top with the people, you know, the, the roster, the front office creates. So, Shout out to you, Eric, and, and all the other people because, uh, boy, it's what a great time to, to be a Ray. And it, it's so much, you know, winning is fun. And like I said, I, it's going to be here to stay. You know, you, you sounds like you're in a great place mentally right now. I would assume also knowing, you know, and how honest they were with you, it also meant peace of mind for your wife and your family too and how much that I'm sure helps you when you come to the ballpark every day. It does. Um I have been so blessed where I, I know I'm in the top percentile as far as convenience goes, and convenience is a great thing when I say that. I live in Tampa year-round. I got a 30-minute drive to the field every day, very, very easy. And then once the off-season happens, I have everything around me, but then we go to spring training, hour and 40-minute drive. We don't ever have to ship a car or do anything. I have such a good situation, and I'm so thankful for it. And, and like I said, I I didn't think, or I guess when I got drafted back in 2010, someone would be like, hey, if I told you you're going to be here 12 years from now too, would you believe me? I probably said no, but dang it, I'll take it. I'm so happy. I'm so blessed to, to have this team. And I have a lot of other guys say, man, that's so cool that you've only been with one team. And you know, there's so many guys, everyone has their own story or whatever, but there's guys with a different organization every year. And it's not easy with all the the turnover and when you have a wife and kids it's things become hectic and it's hectic even with the situation I have let alone guys coming over from different countries and whatnot I always try to think about that and and realize how once again how fortunate I am but Marissa and Carter and crew they're very happy that uh I'll be having this raised uniform on once again and like I said it's been a heck of a ride and, and we're not done yet do Carter and crew quite understand what their dad does and what it means yet, if either of them kind of grasp it, and what does it mean just to see them at the ballpark? Carter is, uh, you know, he's three and a half now. He he gets it somewhat. He knows daddy plays on TV. That's the way he describes it. Um, and he just, he loves baseball, loves going to the games. He's obsessed with Raymond, DJ Kitty, all that. So he, he's always looking for them more than me. But uh, every time I get on deck circle, I go up there and I wave at him, and, boy, it just almost brings a tear to my eye because I've, I always tell people I worked my whole life to get to the big leagues but also be a family man, and that's something I really look forward to is, you know, going back to meeting Marissa and soon realizing that she was the girl of my dreams and I knew she was going to be my wife and the mother of my kids. And, boy, uh, there's just so much that's happened ever since, you know, when I stepped on the scene here in Port Charlotte way back in the day and 
to see where my life has come. Uh, this organization has made me better on and off the field, and uh, you know, being able to look up at my family and it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Since you touched on family, next week you go to Chicago. You get to see your brother, who's grounds on the grounds with the the Cubs. What will that mean to you? Because you do it so infrequently. That's going to be special. It's something I've right when I saw our schedule um, come out, I, I knew we were playing the NL Central this year. And I said, when are, are Cubs coming to us? Or are we going to them? I hope we go to Wrigley. I played there in 2014. When my brother was not there, missed it the next time we went there because we had an injury, then COVID canceled us. But this year, it's looking it's looking good, unless anything crazy happens. But um, it's, it's going to be a special moment that I'm going to play on my brother's field, uh, especially, you know, Wrigley Field is special and, and so historic in itself. And I know he, it's going to be a great deal for him, too. And we've texted each other about it several times throughout this offseason. And now that it's getting closer, um, yeah, I'm going to have the butterflies out there. You know, still first road trip of the year, and it takes me a while to, you know, let the nerves calm down. But uh, I'm definitely going to have some butterflies going because there's going to be a lot of emotion going on and just looking around being like, man, my brother, he is the head groundskeeper here at such a historic place. And, you know, I'm proud of what I've done in my career, but I am equally as proud as him because he's worked his butt off and he deserves everything that's come his way. And it's going to be a great moment. You won't razz him if there's a blade of grass not cut <laughs> short enough or anything like that? Come on. Well, that's going to be a game time decision to see if I need to, um, you know, wear him out a little bit for how certain things play. But, you know, if we go in there and we sweep, I won't, I won't say a thing, but if there's something or my teammates have anything, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my brother know and, and tell him to uh, keep it in tip-top shape. And you mentioned your teammates. I think probably one of the special things about you, and I heard this from a lot of guys who came over from other places, is the celebration after wins. How much does that mean to you, especially with this group? And what do you think of what this year's group can achieve? The celebrations uh, mean a ton to me. It's crazy how... It evolved. There was just one day back in 2015 or 16, whenever I started, I was a young guy, and I said, can I say something? And, boy, ever since that day, it evolved, and we've done it ever since, and the guys love it. Guys coming over from other organizations are like, I've never seen anything like that before, but that was awesome. And it's just it's fun uh, to celebrate wins, and, you know, all it is is positive reinforcement. After the game, me giving guys shout-outs and then doing my little rap jingle thing at the end. That's all I'll say about it. It's fun, really fun. And this team, again, this year, I envision a lot of celebrations in that clubhouse after after games, and that means winning. That's we come to the field each and every day. And I always tell the guys every year, guys, we don't have to do my celebrate. We can do something else. No, 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 no. We have to do it. We have to do it. All right. I'm just I'm throwing that out there. You guys want to do it? I'll do it. But it's good fun. And so it's one of those things I'll remember forever, and I hope my teammates, you know, think about that too because it's, it's not a front. I, I love doing it. I love winning, and, uh, you know, the more we're celebrating, the sooner we get to where we want to be towards late in the season. That's popping champagne and, you know, getting into the postseason, trying to have success there as well. So that's what it's all about, and we'll see what we're about. Here's to that happening. Great to have you back. Thanks for being with us on This Week in Rays Baseball. All right. Thanks, Neil. It's Kevin Kiermaier. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Neil Solon's back with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. And time now to take a look at the Rays in the minors. Joining me, Director of Minor League Operations, Jeff McLaren. Jeff, as impressive as the Rays system is, ranking top three in the sport, what has you most excited about this group? I think there's a lot of areas of excitement. Um, you know, just like we did last year, each of our rosters, uh, we come into the season thinking that each of them have, have a chance to, to really um, compete well and is also continue developing players up and down the line to kind of push each other towards, towards the big leagues. Let's take a look at the teams. Let's start with Durham. Uh, I would think that a lot of the 40-man guys are the ones who probably stand out, and, and you get your first look this week at Isak Paredes, and in his first game he already homered and had four ribbies. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really competitive Durham lineup up and down. Um, you know, thought going into opening day that that Josh Lowe would be the cornerstone there, and then we you know quickly replace him with Isak Paredes, and they've got uh, a strong group. You know, that infield group is solid and provides a lot of flexibility. Be it Bruhan, uh, Paredes, Aranda, 
Tristan Gray, all of them can kind of play all over the diamond and, and hoping that uh, Xavier Edwards is, is there to join them in, in the not-too-distant future. He's dealing with, what, a slight shoulder impingement that slowed him down? Yeah, he was a little behind um, in terms of his throwing program coming into camp and, and trying to be conservative with how we uh, progress him back into uh, game action, but uh, hoping that this isn't a long-term thing. Double-A club probably on paper has more of the highest-level prospects you moved Taj Bradley to Double A. You moved Ian Seymour to Double A to go along with a position player group, probably headlined by Greg Jones. Um, what was the thought process with both of those pitchers? One being a college kid, one being a high school draftee. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things that, that we look at is that we want to make sure that that all of our our players, um, especially our prospects, are, are being challenged to the point that they're continuing to develop um, and continuing to push themselves. And so, both Ian and Taj, with what they were able to do last year, especially at the high A level. We've, our group felt that you know double A is the right kind of challenge point for them to continue to make adjustments. We want, want guys at levels where they're forced to make adjustments to continue to succeed and felt like double A was right for them. Your shortstop group has always been a really, really good one. And I look at your high A team, and you could argue that you have three shortstops there in your advanced A group and maybe even low A. High what it's Alika Williams, Tanner Murray, and also Alcevis Pasabe. Yeah, uh, all three of those guys. You could even add in uh, Ronnie Simon and uh, Abizel Ramirez. Is all guys who could could play shortstop, and if they were in a dis- different system, might be an everyday shortstop. And um, we think it's good for for players to kind of cross train at different um, in infield spots like we talked about the Durham group they have a lot of flexibility there see that as well working out for our high a and low a teams where guys are going to get some some time at different spots other than shortstop and we think that you know that makes a more well-rounded player and then from a a rep standpoint how do you manage that do you have to have a priority guy who gets four times a week or is it everyone's playing two two and two sometimes uh, you know, we really look at it on an individual level and try to, to manage it so that everybody's getting the, the proper time where they need it. You know, some of that beyond just looking at games is kind of where do they get their reps in, in workouts? Where do they spend their time in early work and, and how that all comes together? And so it's balancing a lot of those things to try to, to make sure that everybody is getting the proper time that they need uh, while also kind of making it good for the, the overall. I had heard so much about Willie Vasquez and how much he's grown. What's your perspective in the big step that he's taken within the last year? Yeah, I mean, I think you could use that that term in a couple different ways. I think physically he's grown um, the way his body has developed and the work that he's put in the offseason, but also just in, his, in terms of his maturity, the way he goes about his business, the way he really works. He's one of those guys that, that is always given um, – max effort and trying to put in the time in the areas that he needs to work, always wanting to know what, what he can do to get better. And um, those steps along with, you know, being part of those, that big group of shortstops, I think they've all pushed each other um, and tried to get the, the most out of there because they know who they have to compete against just in our own uniform. You have a really young group in Charleston in your uh, last uh, full season club with Carson Williams and Ryan Spikes, two high school draft picks last year. What led you to think that they were ready for that step? So, you know, one of the things that has changed over the last couple of years with the minor league restructuring and the uh, elimination of kind of the short season leagues is that one thing we noticed from 2021 is that a, a lot of other groups, um, a lot of other organizations are, are kind of sending a maybe a less experienced player than they had in past years to low A. And as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to find the right challenge point for all of our players, especially our prospects. And the way we kind of looked at things for Carson and for Ryan the way that they they have shown in their time with us is we felt that you know where the low A league is currently is the right spot for them. Um, you know they are probably looked at as probably more advanced than some of our our recent high school draftees, but that league is also kind of shifted downwards. So we feel like they, those two things kind of line up and that um, they're going to be at the right spot for them this year. And the rosters are different now. Um, it used to be twenty five man rosters. Explain what rosters are now like from AAA down and how much that allows you maybe to protect pitchers, whether it's a six-man rotation or the way you use your pitching staffs. Yeah, another change that came about with the the restructuring in the minor leagues is that um, roster spots were expanded at, at each of the four full season levels, going to 28 um, at AAA and AA, and then 30 at the two A-ball levels. Um, in addition, with some of the additional COVID protocol rules, we have an extra five spots um, in AAA this year that will help kind of support the big league club as well. You know, when they have players on the taxi squad, those extra five spots come in, 
come in handy. Uh, but yeah, it, it really, especially early on in, in the year, it is helpful for us in terms of uh, managing a pitching staff and having enough players so you're not overextending people too early. You know, we max out pretty much all of our rosters here on opening day. And hopefully as the summer goes on, we may kind of thin those out as guys are able to take on more more workload and kind of shift some of the players back into the complex where they can work on the things um, that they need to outside a game uh, environment. And obviously the hope is that it's a very healthy year. You have had a few injuries that we can touch on. I think Colby White is the most prominent just because he was so close to the big leagues at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's always the, the most disappointing part of the spring is the injuries that happen to pop up. Um, there's always a few each year. And um, this year kind of landed on Colby White, um, hurt his elbow and underwent Tommy John surgery. So he's going to miss the 2022 campaign. Same fate for Ian Leatherman, who was a guy out of last year's draft that, that had, um, had turned some heads and unfortunate for him. Also, Cooper Kinney, uh, one of our high draft picks from last year, kind of a freak thing diving back into a bag during a spring training game, hurt his shoulder and had to have uh, surgery there as well. And so those were kind of the three, three main ones that, that were really kind of put a downer on, on the spring from that aspect. Uh, but, you know, hopeful that all three guys will be back in action for 2023. And we touched on Willie Vasquez and his growth. Who are some other names that pop up that you guys really thought took a big jump from last year as you watched them in the spring and you think this year they really could take a big step forward? Yeah, I mean, a few other names that we've already touched on. Um, I could really go up and down the line, but that the the young pitchers that we have, you know, Taj Bradley, Seth Johnson, Ian Seymour, all put in really good work um, over the the course of the off season to put themselves in a spot where you know they're making quick strides towards the big leagues. Um, on the position player side of things, uh, still a lot of excitement about Curtis Mead, um, going to be a mainstay in that Double uh, A lineup at the beginning. Um, also, some of the the recent acquisitions. Cam Meisner was one that coming over from the Marlins in the in the Joey Wendell deal uh, is one that that has a lot of our folks excited about the way he can patrol center field, but also has a lot of power at the plate and uh, somebody that that to keep an eye on. Well, hopefully, it's a very healthy year for all of them and a successful year too for them and the teams on the field. Jeff, thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely, thanks for having me, Neil. That's Rays director of minor league operations, Jeff McLaren. The Rays affiliates. Off to an 8-3 and three start. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball. It's the first weekend of the regular season. So with us in their 18th year, we say good morning to Dave and Andy. Hi, fellas. What's happening? How we doing, Neil? And happy Twerb Day to you. Yes, uh, it is a good day. And it's a good day when you start out 2-0 and as the Rays have. What have each of you liked the most about the first couple of games you've seen? Personally, I like that everybody's chipping in. I mean, there really hasn't been a, a real star. I mean, Wander had, I mean, my goodness, his at-bats are just crazy good uh, from one to the next, aren't they? I mean, he, he is going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, but I like the fact that it was Mejia. You know, Wallace has had a couple of good at-bats. Randy's had a couple of good at-bats. That's been impressive. And then I think it's been interesting, Dave, and you're going to even bring it up to Kevin Cash in the uh, pregame show today. He has some guys in the bullpen that haven't been used yet, but he has doubled up with some of the other guys out there. Yeah, so I know he wants to get a few of those guys in, maybe as soon as today. And uh, Mazza did some really nice things. A lot of eyes are going to be on Corey Kluber. I I think that uh, I know we'll talk about it in the pregame show here in about uh, 30 minutes or so, that there are those who think he can be Charlie Morton or would like him to be Charlie Morton 2.0. But in order to be that, he's going to have to be a very, very good pitcher on the mound like Charlie was. And then a great influence off the mound as he was as well. And I think he's already been a pretty good influence off the mound. We've heard a lot of young pitchers, Neil, and I know you've alluded to it mm-hmm. a couple of times already this season that, uh, that a lot of young pitchers are just kind of in awe when they see him because they know what he has done in the past with a couple of Cy Young awards. So I'm anxious to see how he does and how he's going to get guys out now without 95-96 when he has to rely more on 88-89 and maybe an occasional 90. And, uh, you know, he got hit up a little bit during uh, spring training, gave up a uh, uh, an ERA on the other side of five. But, you know, a veteran pitcher is just working on things, so you take that with uh, a grain of salt for sure. But, uh, you know, I think that the, the bullpen's going to get uh, worked a little bit today because I really don't expect uh, Corey to be in this game much past four or five innings tops. 
Yeah, and that's going to be the case for most of this month. Uh, you know, I, I almost look at it. It's, it's like a, a different part of the season this first month of April. And the bullpen generally is going to have to be relied on a lot during the year, but even may, more so in April while starters are building. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we've gone with uh, a very thick uh, bullpen. You start looking at the guys in that uh, bullpen out there, and again, you've got four guys from the left side, and guys can give you length and beaks and Fleming. And how about Fleming's uh, mm-hmm. outing yesterday and what he did? I think uh, you know Kevin was raving about that uh, that you'll hear later on in the pregame show. He was been very, very good for him so far this spring. And and before he got hurt a couple of years ago, Jalen Beeks might have been one of our better bullpen guys and, and a guy that was giving us multiple innings here and there and then also getting outs in high-leverage situations. And then on the other side, uh, you know, Chris Mazza, how, you know, up and down, up and down last year, did some really, really nice things. So uh, excited about the thickness of the Rays' uh, bullpen going forward because you're right, they are going to be worked a lot here in the month of April. It's kind of funny, I think... Uh, was it Drew Rasmussen in your postgame show yesterday was talking about uh, how, you know, I know the, the regular season bell has rung, but they're still kind of going through some things like they're still building up like, mm-hmm. to, like it's spring training. So it's an interesting balance right now. Reminds me a little bit. It's, it's, a, it's a different situation because to me, looking back to 2020, Neil and Andy, that was all. I think the entire sites were set on October 1st or the end of the regular season. They were using, the Rays were kind of using that 60 game schedule as kind of an exhibition season to get ready for the postseason because they knew they were going to get in it. Um, obviously, you can't do that over a 162 game schedule, but I think they're going to use the month of April as kind of a quasi spring training to make sure that everybody, you know, the bell rang on April 8th. We know that, but I think the real bell and, and everybody wants to be all pointed in the right direction maybe come May 1st. And do you feel the same on that? Without a doubt. It kind of has to be. I've been interested to see how around the league every team seems to have a different philosophy on just how to go about this. You know, it's not unheard of. I've mentioned the 1990 season. There was a lockout which kind of forced teams into using starters the first couple times through maybe four innings max. Uh, But that was a different era. I mean, now there's much more of an era of specialization anyway. But some teams are are using uh, six Guys in the rotation, you know, I, 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 we talked to John Romano in the pregame show today, and he was, was mentioning with Kevin Cash, like with Kluber, it may be just as important for him to actually make as, as many starts as possible, even if he doesn't go so deep in numerous ones of those this year. So he is ready come October, not to get ahead of ourselves, but you do have to plan that way. Uh, but it, it, I'm going to be very interested around the league. You know, we got the A's coming to town. We know what's going on with them, and I'm curious how they're going to be doing their their situations with obviously a much younger, a much less experienced pitching staff, except for Frankie Montas. Yes, and a lot of guys banged up too. As we look big picture at the Rays for each of you, I'm curious, what has you most excited right now about this season? What has you maybe mildly concerned for the big picture this year? I think for, for I mean, there's always concern about injuries and health. We know the Rays are deep, and it seems like every year they have to plunge into that depth in the organization over and over and over again. But I guess all teams are doing that as well. So you hope that you know the innings numbers get to the appropriate level. The Rays so careful with that in terms of the inning buildup. You know, we were talking yesterday about Drew Rasmussen, a two-Tommy John guy, and only threw, what, about 59 innings last mm-hmm. year after just 15 the year before. So what is the right number? Uh, nobody knows exactly. So that always makes you worried. I, I, I don't know about you, Dave. I, I've been very impressed with just kind of the sense of, uh, yeah, we're this good uh, from this Rays team. The Blue Jays are the flavor of the month. The Red Sox and Yankees always get so much attention, but I think there's a real air of confidence in this team. And interesting to tie it in with the Orioles. I was was reading a book in the offseason about the Baltimore Orioles and some of their prime days. Boog Powell, their great first baseman from all these years gone by, said, if we don't lose to the Mets in 69, I don't think we won 108 games the next year. They kept that chip on their shoulder the entire year through the World Series. I wonder if the Rays will have a similar chip this year. I think the thing that makes me most excited is the fact that every day we get to watch a really, really good baseball team, as Andy was alluding to there at the end. This is a team that won 100 games last year. Uh, for the most part, has almost everybody back. Uh, we're going to get some reinforcements uh, quite possibly with some pitching as the season goes along as well. And then we get to watch Brandon Lau play every day. We get to watch Wander Franco continue to grow and become a superstar in front of us. Randy Rosarena keeps on getting better 
and is an exciting player. And then Josh Lowe uh, did some nice things uh, in the first two games that he's played at the big league level. And somebody uh, made a cop of uh, Christian Yelich the other day to uh, Josh Lowe. And I, I, I kind of totally, I, I don't kind of agree with it. I really do agree with it, it especially when he was running on the bases for his triple yesterday. <laughs> so uh, my concern is always going to be about pitching. It's, it's ju- it just is. And, and I think it's because I've got a little old school in me when it comes to uh, I'd love to see starters going five, six, seven innings and taking some of the load off of the bullpen. I think that, uh, you know, again, we apply a, a heavy load to our bullpen guys, and Kevin uh, is a master at uh, working a bullpen, and uh, Kyle Snyder and Stan Borowski are masters at making sure those guys are feeling good and in the right pos- uh, spots to, to be able to help us out along the way. But, boy, oh, boy, I w- I'd still love to see one more quality starter uh, on this team somewhere, somehow, uh, to help maybe take a little bit of that load off of that bullpen and, uh, you know, again, give those guys. I think the days of seeing, you know, Shields and Garza and Kazmir and like we had in Sonnenstein where we're going to get over a 1,000 innings from our starters, I think those days are probably gone, but uh, I miss them. And I, I really <laughs> would like to see maybe a few more innings uh, out of our starters. And if that means having to go out and get a guy, uh, reading Mark Topkins' articles today and hearing from Stu Sternberg, uh, he said we've got some financial flexibility. Uh, there's still Frankie Montas out there. Uh, maybe he comes to Tampa Bay next week and stays. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I, can I get in trouble for? Uh, can I get in trouble for that? Uh, I don't know. You'd, you'd have to ask a, a higher power than uh, than me on that one for sure. But uh, good stuff. We're looking forward to the call today. Hopefully, the third ever three and zero start, and look forward to a great season. Thank you, Neil. Glad we could help you out, Neil. You're welcome. We'll see you. <laughs> Somebody's got to do my job for me, right? That's Dave and Andy. And uh, coming up on uh, our look at this week in race baseball, you're going to hear from the president of baseball operations, Eric Neander. Maybe he'll touch on some of the things that Dave and Andy just spoke about, as well as the principal owner of the race, Stuart Sternberg. All that as we continue. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday. Reminder, you can win big with the Raise 50-50 raffle for every home game. You can join the raffle from the comfort of your home by going to racebaseball.com slash 50-50. Some restrictions apply. We're back with Eric Neander right after this, and you are listening to This Week in Race Baseball. This is the Race Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us right now, President of Baseball Operations, Eric Neander. And, Eric, let's start with your overall look. As the season begins this weekend, what's your take on this team and your expectations for this group? Yeah, a lot similar, a few pieces different, and obviously a big trade that we made here um, this past week, but the expectations are uh, very similar to where they were last year and uh, got there, (laughs) overcame a lot of attrition and uncertainty throughout the course of the season, a lot that was unexpected, but to win 100 games, to win this division as good as it was last year when a team like Toronto finishes in fourth place, um, speaks to the quality of that accomplishment. The postseason is not what we wanted, but uh, a lot from last year with this group to you know that we really see them building on, and the experience is afforded to a lot of our young players for them to have that so early in their career and to come back this year. Uh, we're we're expecting to compete through the regular season the way we did last year, and uh, certainly have designs and expectations to to make a deeper run than what happened in 2021 as well. Since you touched on the Meadows trade. Why did you make it at the time? Why do you think your team will still be in a better position going forward for 2022? Yeah, the timing of it, some of it lockout related and just having kind of an off season and a spring training, a condensed spring training all at the same time. Um, never ideal to to make those decisions, those kind of moves in camp. I think typically you like to have your roster mostly settled going in and Bring back brings back some painful memories of 2018 spring and some of the decisions you had to make there. But ultimately, you know, have a job to do and to do what we think is best for the club now and over the next several years uh, to maximize our, our competitiveness. And this was a move while while difficult um, and and not all that enjoyable to to execute and to carry through at the time and to to talk to Austin and the group to you know all that all comes with that. Uh, just something that given our strong belief and assessment and Isaac Paredes um, and uh, or Isaac Paredes excuse me and um, you know Josh Lowe is someone that we felt was ready for greater opportunity um, as a left-handed hitter it's a really dynamic player felt like the you know Josh filling into Austin spot combined with Isaac and what we think he can provide us as this year goes along and beyond uh, was 
the type of difficult but worthwhile move um, that, that we need to make to sustain our competitiveness and make sure we're in a good spot for this year as well. So would you say it was 50% Paredes, 50% Josh Lowe's readiness, or more of one than the other? Yeah, I think we would not have forced a move if we didn't think the transaction on its own made sense. So want to, I think, be clear about that. No matter the perception of the deal, that was that's the honest assessment of the deal from from our side. But as difficult as it is, it's certainly made easier to make that move when you have someone like Josh and the assessment we have on Josh when someone like that you believe is ready for an extended major league opportunity. So I'd say the Josh component, I don't know what percentages you would put on each. Again, we wouldn't have made the trade. We would never have forced a trade. That's something that we felt on its own in isolation uh, was in our best interest, but certainly having Josh in a position where he could step into that open spot uh, made it easier in tandem to, to go forward. You have had a couple of pitching injuries this spring, Pete Fairbanks, Shane Boz. Are you at all concerned about pitching depth going forward, especially in light of what you've had to weather the last two years? Yeah, un- unquestionably. I think we're all thankful that we were able to play April with a bigger roster. I think that's something we're going to try to use to our advantage to just to continue to build guys up at what we hope is a responsible pace. And so that from May through August, until rosters expand again in September, uh, we can we can lean on you know our starters and our bulk options a little bit more. So, yeah, it, it's always something that we're mindful of. It's always a concern. You can never have enough. Uh, we certainly saw that last year, um, more so out of the pen and the rotation, but a little of both. Uh, you know, with glass going down, how notable that was. But uh, we're going to take care of these guys. We we feel. Like we've got a, you know, at any given moment, we're going to have a strong five, you know, in the rotation, our bulk roles, and then uh, do believe we'll have a little bit of depth behind it. Um, but something that certainly we'll always be on the lookout to adding to, because almost always over the course of 162 and beyond, you're going to need it. It's certainly possible you could get Shane Boz back by the end of May. You've got Brendan McKay, Yanni Chirinos. Do you feel more comfortable with the bulk options you have? available or do you feel more comfortable with the amount of depth you have on the on the true reliever side of things i I think you you touched on you know shane's return thankfully um that scare was you know the best case outcome once you had the initial scare with the elbow with shane boz that is brendan mckay it's been really encouraging um thankfully i think the the issue that perhaps was ailing him throughout this has finally been addressed and resolved and he's in as good a place as he's been in Yanni Chirinos. Um, some of how we feel is going to be determined by how those players progress through their rehabs. Uh, if if they all make it to the other side of their rehab and get back to being the best version of who they are, that'll help tremendously and put us in a good spot. But uh, until then, you know, there's probably a little bit of finger crossing that uh, we can we can get through it unscathed without any further injuries, certainly. Um, the bullpen side of it, that were the injuries last year as unfortunate as they were at the time required us to go out to make some moves to lean on some arms out there that we weren't going in planning to utilize and so many of them stepped up and now those injured players are back that I think the bullpen is a at this present moment is a nice source of source of depth for us and even while carrying a couple extra pitchers on the opening day roster when you're setting arms like Colin Pochet and Ryan Thompson and Durham, uh, you're in a pretty good place all in all on that side. As you sit here on the first full weekend of the regular season, is this team better than it was at this point on the opening weekend of last year? And if so, where? It's a great question. I, I think there, there's a few players on this team where we have high expectations for their their future potential. And that starts with what they can contribute to this club. Taylor Walls, Josh Lowe, to name a couple. Certainly Wander. Um, we saw a little more of last year, and he, he established himself. But the potential of this group, the raw talent of this group, I think we feel at least as excited, and probably a little more so than we did last year's team. The proven track records, you know, there's a few guys, as I noted, you know, we, Joey Wendell, Austin Meadows, some of the decisions he made. Um, we don't have some of the proven track records that we've had, you know, going into last year, obviously, and those are players we really appreciate. Wish nothing but the best to, but in terms of raw talent, you know, some of these players are ready for their opportunities, and we want to give them to them. And um, 
again, yeah, just in terms of raw talent, I think this is probably as much as, as we've carried. And with that's going to come high expectations. Just don't want to put too much on them too soon. But that's where we are and excited to see them go out and compete. Is the division better than it was at this point last year? It seems likely. It <laughs> seems likely. Uh, you know, Baltimore, the, the I think the, the fruits of their labor throughout their system, you know, that uh, their talent inventory throughout the minor leagues is very strong and starting to approach their major league club and they're going to get better and Toronto certainly has made moves to to further strengthen themselves and they get to play at home finally I think that's a could be an overlooked part of something that they overcame last year you know is playing in three different home cities and certainly the year prior so for them to be settled into their true home um and with some of the moves they made, I think expect them to be better. And New York and Boston, they're New York and Boston. They always seem to find a way to be there. So uh, we feel like we're going to find a way to be there too. But uh, yeah, this is uh, it's part of why we were really proud to win 100 games in this division last year. And if we can go out and find a way to, to win this division again, would like a deeper postseason run, but don't want that to take away from the accomplishment that is uh, finishing on top of this this group over a regular season. Well, here's to that happening again. Good luck in the pursuit, and thanks for joining us on this week at Race Baseball. Appreciate you, Neil, and appreciate all our fans, and thanks for coming out and supporting this group, and I uh, think we'll give you a team to be proud of. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is the race president of baseball operations, Eric Neander. And joining me now, principal owner Stuart Sternberg. And welcome back to another season, Stu. I'm guessing one of the most exciting things is that it's a more normal year than we've had in quite a few. Yeah, as you started saying, welcome back to another season. Uh, I walk through the doors uh, and you see, see people lined up and excited. And I really haven't had that experience in a while. How difficult has that been for you as someone who grew up a baseball fan who loves this game as much as you love uh, you know, owning, being the principal owner of this club? Uh, it, it's been tough, especially you go to the World Series. But I, as I saw that year in particular, uh, I thought we did more good in a sense, given the circumstances. Um, and I think we were able to, uh, you know, to be there for people at a time it was most difficult and give people something to rally around. So I look at the good in it and as difficult as it might have been uh, from an ownership and fan standpoint at times, I think overall it was a, it was a good outcome. In terms of outcomes, this team has produced some really, really good outcomes the last several years. I'm guessing the expectation or the hope from your end is no different this year? Yeah, I try not to get too optimistic. I get a little concerned when I'm optimistic and others around me are optimistic. However, any time you can come in or, or we can come into a season and have an opportunity to win 90 games potentially... Uh, I consider it an extraordinarily special event of a season, and uh, that's how I feel about it this year. And you mentioned high expectations. Look, there are some people who are picking the Blue Jays ahead of you, some people are picking the Yankees. So I guess from that perspective, it's kind of nice when you're not universally picked to be top of the heap. Well, look, I, 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 would I rather be in, the, in the, you know, the, the Dodgers camp or the White Sox camp? And it's just sort of a foregone conclusion, yes. However regardless of how many games you win in the American League East, one year it's never going to be the case the next year uh, or even during that season. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I'd rather them be picking us in some respects because those other teams are probably as good, if not better, than us. Uh, but, you know, we'll, that's the beauty of the game. It remains to be seen, and we have 162 ahead of us to find out. Indeed. From your perspective, there were some changes for this year. Do you like the additional playoff team in this division last year? Four teams won 90 games. Uh, yeah, there were there were some changes. It's a, there's never enough change for us in our situation, but it is because as you know, a few years ago we were 90 plus wins and we didn't make the playoffs, right? So, it, and yet you see teams win less than 90 and actually win the World Series. So, this is what we are. This is what we have to deal with the American League East. And the nice part of it is it makes it a lot sweeter uh, when you when you're able to look behind you. Or I go up to Boston and I see that we're ahead of some of those teams on their on their score, you know, on their uh, board out in left field at the Monster, or look in the papers or, or online and just see that we're ahead of the teams that we're ahead of. It's just much more satisfying. 
I've read that you will like one change that's coming next year, and that's less teams in less games in division. Why do you like that, and how much can it help? Yeah, it, it, it look it's it's not a one way street on that one. Uh, it's very helpful when you're a good team and you're competing, and there are and there are more playoff spots, and you have you know a, a wild card is is probably more uh, more in the cards, especially in our division. It's important not to have to play those whichever those three teams that you know sometimes it's the Orioles the Yankees the Red Sox sometimes it's the Blue Jays the Yankees and the Red Sox but it's it's the Yankees and the Red Sox and somebody else Uh, so from a competitive standpoint it's helpful but there is also no denying that losing a number of home games against those couple of clubs costs us real money uh, money that we invest back into the ball club so uh, it works both ways but when we're a what I would consider a, a 90 win team, give or take, uh, ideally you know take, <laughs> and and I would I would like to think we will be for a couple of seasons. Um, not having to play those teams that are that are set up for dramatic success, 19 times a piece and and do it consistently is really helpful for us. So let's get to the team on the field. What excites you most about this group this year and why? Well, it's always the pitching and the defense. I will start with, and and uh, so. Obviously, having Wander Franco for a full year playing shortstop, we love Willie Adamas, and I was thrilled to have Willie Adamas playing shortstop. But we're sort of seeing, you know, the fruits of, of the the things that have been in the hopper for the last few years: the McClanahan's, Boz, and uh, you know now now Josh, you know, low coming into things, uh, and you know Randy, you know, Pete. It's all sort of coming together, and it's nice when a plan comes together. And you know, this is where we thought we were setting things up for for the last few years. You know, it was unfortunate we got a shortened 2020 season. Uh, so unfortunate last year the fans couldn't necessarily come out to all the games, and it was you know it was a little bit restricted. But uh, it's exciting. You know, I'm excited to see all our pitchers. And the nice thing is, we just I really, really do believe if we stay very healthy or relatively healthy, uh, we're going to be in the mix right to the end. What is your biggest concern then? It's always the health in the bullpen. It's the health in the bullpen. I don't take the starting pitchers for for granted by any stretch. Uh, but as you know, we do things a little differently. We're not counting on multiple pitchers to throw six, seven innings or more uh, uh, every particular evening. So we could withstand uh, some some underperformance. We can withstand some injuries. But um, my, my big concern is always how the bullpen is going to evolve. If we have a good bullpen this year uh, and has been somewhat on par with what we've been able to do miraculously the last few years, uh, I, I know that we're going to be in fine shape. How important was it, since you brought up Wander Franco earlier, to extend him as long as you did? Well, it was. Uh, look, it, it, it had we not done it, <clears throat> we'd still be sitting with you know with with a, you know what it was almost a rookie of the year, right? With another rookie of the year on on board as well with with Randy, um, and we'd be looking at many many years with him, right? You know, through almost the end of our time here at Tropicana Field, but having the opportunity to do that and and having Wander have the confidence in us to do it, uh, you know, it really is something other than his health and well-being we don't have to think about for a number of years, if, if at all. Obviously, he's one of the most exciting young players in the game. Are there particular players, because you are a fan of the game, on other teams that you really look forward to either watching or seeing when the Rays play them this year? I, I suppose so, but the answer is no. I, you know, really, I like, watching, I like watching players who we don't have to play, right? You know, uh, so, um, you, know, you know, I love seeing, uh, I, I love seeing Mike Trout play, obviously, but, you know, I don't care for him when he's playing against us. Um, and there are a lot of players like that, but, uh, you know, to get into them, fortunately, the game of baseball is chock full of a lot of, a lot of people like that, but um, I really focus on our guys and, and who are playing that night. And you brought up Josh Lowe, too. The farm system still came into this year ranked in the top three in the game by all experts. How critical is that going forward, and how appreciative are you that this franchise has been able to maintain that now for several years in a row while winning? It's miraculous. It re- nothing short of miraculous. We have we uh, again, it, it really comes back to one eye on the present, one on the future. So we just made a very tough trade with Austin Meadows. I mean, a real quality guy, quality ball player, tremendous hitter, uh, you know, team player and all. Uh, but again, we've got somebody who's going to help us this year. You know, who's who we got in a trade. We and, and going forward, we got somebody who's coming up and, and enabled a spot for for Josh to come up. And we got a competitive draft pick. So. We're doing things with, with an eye on the present and an eye on the future. But just because you say you're going to do that and you act that way doesn't mean it come to fruition. But when you look, uh, we had just a record last year throughout the minor leagues that is unprecedented. So even if we're off in, in a margin of error and we don't quite perform as, as well as we might have last year, even if we don't uh, in the minor leagues, we've, we're still one of the top minor league uh, 
systems in the game, and it's everything. It means everything to us. And you brought up that you know even without extending Wander, you would have had him through uh, the end of the time at Tropicana Field for sure. You want to make sure that there is a home going forward here in Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, that's always that's look I. I started at this in 20, 2005. Uh, at the time, I didn't think Tropicana Field was going to make it to 2027 or that we would be here, but it, it looks to be the case or close to the case. Uh, but everything we have done to this point, there have been numerous attempts and, uh, and, and a lot of speculation. Everything we do and have done and will do is to make sure baseball stays here for generations to come. And you've made sure to try and make the most out of your time here at Tropicana Field. You're a noted foodie, sir. Is there anything new that uh, you like particularly here at the ballpark that's here this year? Yeah, I, I actually had the opportunity to sample things recently. Um, it was an odd but a foot-long uh, tater tot, which was kind of good. But there's a chicken sandwich that is excellent uh, that I found. And then there was a bowl yesterday that had... Uh, rice and I think some pork and a plantain that I think was the, was the best item that I had tasted. Well, here's to enjoying those items and more and a lot of wins at the ballpark. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Neil, thank you and thanks for the job you do and, and fielding all the fans' questions and keeping them informed because it makes a huge difference to our fan base and to us. And that's the principal owner of the Rays, Stuart Sternberg, joining us on our first This Week in Rays Baseball program of the season. Hey, a reminder to come see postseason hero Randy Arozarena steal home when the Rays take on the Red Sox from April 22nd. Uh, all fans on that will receive a, Ray, a Randy Arozarena bobblehead presented by Dex Imaging while supplies last. So you can find out more at RaysBaseball.com slash tickets. We certainly thank Stuart Sternberg and all of the guests on the program today, including Rays outfielder Kevin Kiermeyer, currently the longest tenured Ray, as well as Dave and Andy for joining us to discuss the week gone by and what's to come. Jeff McLaren, head of minor league operations for the Rays. And of course, we appreciate the time of the president of baseball operations for Tampa Bay. That's Eric Neander. And if you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me and you can do so at Neil Solons. On next week's program, for sure, we're going to sit down with Shane McClanahan, and we'll probably hear from the bullpen coach, Stan Borowski, as well, about what certainly is a challenging month for all involved. Thanks to our producer back at our studios, Rob Roman, and on-site Pete Defee. I'm Neil Solons saying stay tuned. Rays taking on the Orioles next on the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.